Thank you guys for joining me on the Heart of Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Siegfried, and today is an episode that I want all parents, no matter what age of children you have, to listen to because I have Isaac and Angie Tolpin from Courageous Parenting on this episode, and we discuss how to parent with intention, how to parent with purpose. They have eight children ranging from like age 20 to two years old. So they have been through it and they encourage parents and they equip parents with all of their wisdom and all of their insights. So I just feel so blessed to have them on the podcast so that you can hear them and get a little bit of insight yourself into how we can parent godly children and also just parent with purpose, you know, so I am excited to have them on. I just pray that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoy talking to them. Welcome, Angie and Isaac from Courageous Parenting. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yes, great to be here. Of course. I'm so, so, so excited to have you because I'm excited for listeners, especially mm-hmm. mamas and dads that really need a little encouragement in raising up godly children. <laughs> I mean, that's what you are all about. You have had a podcast since 2018 mm-hmm. called Courageous Parenting. And I just love everything that you're offering, everything that you are putting out there for parents, especially in this world that we live in right now, because I have two little ones. They're only a year and a half and three and a half, but I'm already like thinking about the future and concerned on how I can better their little souls, you know, to like withstand all of everything that they're going to be going through. So to dive right in, to learn a little bit more about you, you guys have eight kids. (laughs) 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 Um, And what's the age range? So our youngest is 20 months and our oldest is almost 20 years old. Oh my goodness. So you guys have been busy with... (laughs) 20 years. Yeah, so we'll, we'll 20 years. You guys look like you're 20. So how is that even ah. possible? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been an awesome journey. Uh, we, and by the way, I don't know if most people know this, but we set out to, I mean, I set out to have two kids and she oh had a number oh and we don't come from big families. So this is all new territory for us. Yeah. Well, you guys are definitely leading the pack with it, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. So eight kids. I mean, how is that? What does your day to day look like? Well, there's a, that is a big question. So our oldest is actually at college. Um, usually she's home right now because of this COVID thing, obviously, and just finished up finals of her second year. So next year she'll be a junior there. Um, and then our second son is also graduating from high school. So he's actually built a business for himself. Um, so those guys are pretty independent in a lot of ways. Um, you said second son, you mean second, second child. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you keep it straight anyways. I'd have to like write it down, um, their age, their birthday. And then our other kids, um, obviously, you know that we homeschool. So um, for us, we've done classical conversations, which is a co-op, which is great for the kids to be able to socialize with other kids and connect with um, kids that are around the same age as them. And that. that actually finishes up for us like... April, May-ish, because we start in August. So they just finished a school year. So right now our day-to-day is different than it would have been like a month or two. Oh, sure. But what's really neat when you parent with purpose uh, when they're young, then when the kids start getting older, they become really helpful. 
And so we're really a team. We've really nurtured a team environment and we all help each other. People Mm -hmm. have different roles and different things to do. And uh, it works pretty well. Not perfectly. Like we, like any family, there's, you know, challenges here and there, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. Yeah. And of course, like when you first had your first or second, like you were just doing what you knew to do, but now because you parented well, you are parenting eight children, you are now able to equip other parents with knowledge and wisdom and insight. But my question too, because I have small children, is like, what was the foundation that you would build in your small children in order, like you mentioned, so now they're older, so now they're helping and now they have a role. How, I know that's a tough question because it might change throughout the years and each child's so different, but what's maybe like- Some of the little tangibles, like the- yeah. Well, I know that like, so our daughters, I'll give you an example, are not just our daughters. We have, we've taught all of our older kids how to cook, at least some things. I, I really think mm-hmm. that like, you know, you never know if a son isn't going to get married or if they're going to be single for ten, like 10 years on their own before they get married. So I want them to know how to cook too. That's great. Um, and so I would say our first five kids are all very versed in being able to cook at least 10 to 20 different dishes. Um, and so we don't, we used to, we've had seasons in our life, like when I was on bed rest or when I was sick, where the kids would, um, help with cooking a different day of the week. And so the, the responsibility was kind of spread thin among many people, which Mm -hmm. makes it helpful. Um, but it was, but now it's more of a like, Hey mom, I want to make dinner. Can I make dinner? And maybe Isaac and I have a podcast or a Facebook live we need to do. And so we'll ask the kids who can make dinner and who can watch the kids. And, and we all kind of share that responsibility when it comes to ministry, which obviously we ne- we could not have done when our kids were younger. No. Yeah. Uh, and so we said no to ministry when our kids were little and we're very hesitant, even in this stage of life, because we still have a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. Um, but having those older kids is a huge help. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, they wouldn't be ready to help cook, for example, if they hadn't been in the kitchen with me when they were younger. I agree so with that. Practical thing, like we had a toy kitchen, but I found myself having to teach my oldest kid how to play kitchen when <laughs> she just wanted to be in the real kitchen. Sure. And so oh, I just funny. moved her in the real kitchen and that became like our place of bonding. One of the yeah. things on this is that I think that kid, well, kids rise to the level of responsibility you give them. And we weren't necessarily kid people. We hadn't been around kids a lot mm-hmm. before we had our own kids. And so I brought in experience from the business world, entrepreneurship and so forth. And we brought in, you brought in stuff from your experiences you know, growing up in the church and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the biblical truth. But I think that we really uh, were careful not to hold our kids back. I think a lot of times we limit our kids by not seeing how much potential they have at every age. Absolutely. To That's a really good point. And yeah. just seeing how they light up. It's, it's so, they like, they love cutting olives, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like, totally. old, like, I cut the olives in tonight's dinner and they're all like proud of it, you know? Yeah. That's so cute. It's, I, I guess what you're saying too is involving them in your day-to-day. Um, I mean, even just being a parent of small children and my, seeing my own friends and how we all parent so differently. But I think we are a little too cautious of, oh no, don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, don't do that. But they need to do it in order to learn and in order to, feel independent and know that they are able to take risks, right? Like, yeah. I noticed with Angie too, she had to slow down 
to equip her kids in those ways. Because I remember the tension of, wow, if I just get this done, I don't love cooking anyways. Uh, I think it's going to be way faster. But then she brought Kelsey in and it slowed way down. It was double, triple the mess. But But we had fun. She was glowing. And it, it, it was fruitful in the long run. Because and she really loves cooking now. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that it just, I had to have self-control over my, like, I'll be honest, like I'm firstborn. So I have more of that type A personality mm-hmm. that's like, everything has a place and we're going to clean up <laughs> as we go and put this away. Cause we just got this out. But you just can't do that when you're spotting a four-year-old at the counter and you're trying <laughs> so to fall, right. And so you just have to change your way and let go of, control really. And so I would say that when I was a mom of young ones for the first time, that was really a boot camp for me and realizing like, wow, I have this personality that's kind of more controlling and I need to surrender that to God. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And it was it's sanctifying, you know, there everybody has their story mm-hmm. of sanctification stories. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So how did you start in the beginning like building that biblical foundation? Because I think that's also what's so hard is especially in the day we live in and distractions. And, you know, like you said, like mamas, we, we we're, in, we're, we're in a hurry. <laughs> so it is much easier to clean up the toys or do that or do this and not really spend the time needed to prep them with that biblical truth and like that foundation. So what did you guys do that worked or maybe didn't work? And how can we go about that with new, new children? Or even if we're in a day where, or like an age group where they're like 10 or 12, like, and they don't have that foundation. How can we start? I think one of the mistakes that we make is we kind of make this assumption that if we're going to church on Sunday and and if our kids are involved in some midweek thing that we're doing a great job. And the problem with that is the people that God has ordained put in their charge need to be the ones that are teaching them the most when it comes to biblical truth and leading by example. They need to see a real parents that are really living out their faith. Because anybody can be fun in a Sunday school classroom and then go home and you don't know what they're like at home, right? Like they yeah. get with the kids True. for an hour and then they're gone. But what you live out on a day-to-day basis, like you just look at the fruit in people's lives and you see the relationships, like their natural relationships. And that's part of why we've tried to share, like sometimes we just go and do Frisbee with our kids on Instagram or whatever, you know, (laughs) like we, we always felt like it was super important for us that whoever we were going to go and seek advice from on parenting or marriage, we knew that we wanted to have kids like theirs and a marriage like theirs. And if they didn't, we weren't going to ask them. That's so smart. You know, and that's biblical, just like looking at fruit, but it's, it's a hard thing because you can't always know and see, right? Oh yeah. People are good at putting up facades and putting up, especially with social media and you just Mm -hmm. think someone's living a perfect life, but deep down there's, you know, deep struggle. Um, but there are a lot of practical things you do and did with the young ones mm-hmm. where with oh, worship yeah. and just to give them an, ins- yes, to create a, a home yeah. that's spiritual. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So like for me, myself, I worship is just kind of one of the way, like everybody has a different way that they tend yeah. to God more, or it's just, um, and for me, it was just, I grew up in a home of worship leaders. And so I loved worship. <laughs> 
and it leads my heart. I'll be honest, like being a mom of many littles, it can be exhausting. You're sleep deprived, you're nursing babies, you're <laughs> in the house. Da, 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 da. Oh my goodness. And so there, sometimes we in our humanity have a hard time leading our hearts and we need something external to do that for us. And so worship music really helped me to keep my heart attitude right. And obviously like our kids mimic us. So if they're Me having too. a hard time, then we need to first look at ourselves and go, am I having a hard time? Like, am I expecting them to be emotionally self-controlled, but I'm not, or, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that when people are really honest, then, um, that's when things can grow and it's good. Yeah. But, you know, just having the kids be a part of my Bible time too. Like I would just have my Bible out all day long and an older mom years ago, I think I was maybe, I think we had like three or four kids. I was really struggling with getting in the word daily. And I just asked her what she did. She was our Bible study leader. We were going to a really huge church in Portland. And she just said, you know what? God's word is the bread of life and we should be snacking on it all day long. (laughs) I love that analogy. And I was like, oh, she goes, so just leave your Bible out on the counter all day long and just go to it whenever you have the opportunity to read another verse and another verse and just keep like reminding yourself of the truth. And I think that that's an important key element of being able to take thoughts captive. Cause that's what you were, yeah. we were just opening up talking about is this temptation for us to like compare or think that we're a failure or not meet our own expectations of ourselves or the culture's expectations or the, what we think the culture has. Yeah, totally. us, right? um, yeah. And the only way to do that is to take your thoughts captive and give them to the Lord. Otherwise yeah, it's just that's so good. That is so good. And I mean, your, your kids do mimic everything. We're in that stage of, co- he's just constantly copying everything, but it has been wonderful because everything you've said, um, I've done in my own life right now, but it's also because my mother and my dad, like it was just an open, you know, just an open home of worship. And my mom's like dancing around the kitchen. And, you know, as a kid, sometimes I'm like embarrassed, but then that has stuck with me because it was my foundation that now that I'm a mother, it's like, I find myself doing and saying the same things without even thinking about it. Yeah. I know. And I'm exactly the same way. Like my mom led the church choir. Mm-hmm. And so she had like cassette tapes of salty and hide them in your heart. by Steve. <laughs> yeah. We would be in the car and we'd just be bopping around singing all the church songs. And it was like the, the fun time of the day was the car ride. Right. Yeah. And so like those kinds of things, I unintentionally just did because they were fun. It was a way to find, memorize God's word, right? By song. And absolutely. uh, My favorite memories are long road trips that we have with our kids. We're like listening to audio Christian audio books, or we're listening to worship music or kids, kids worship music. Yeah, totally. I mean, that is like Proverbs 22, six, where you train up your child in the way he or she should go and they won't depart from it. And you don't even, you don't even know it until they're all grown and yeah. <laughs> they didn't depart from it. My mom did. That's, so. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. So I guess really the first step is checking our own actions and our own feelings. Because like you mentioned too, how we are feeling can be projected onto the children and then they're acting out and you're like, what is going on? But really it's because you're tense, stressed, and they gonna, they're going to take that energy from you and feel stressed and 
Oh, really true. I think we don't realize how much kids perceive. I think that people think, oh, my kid's three, they're not going to remember this or whatever. And the reality is, is as adults, we have way more stresses on our life, don't we? Right. Oh, husband lost the job or grandpa sick or, you know, stuff, Mm -hmm. life. And, and while we don't impose that on our kids, right, they can still sense the stress, but what they sense is not, oh, mom's stressed out about something. They think mom's mad at me or, yeah. oh. you know what I mean? And I, I think a lot of people don't realize or put themselves in their kids' perspective to go, I wonder how they're perceiving this. Because something Isaac always says is perception's more important than reality. And so like, oh, me, that's good. constantly going, okay, I know the reality. But what are my kids perceiving? That's and then really go back good. and check with them to make sure yeah. they line up. They're both important, but it's important to consider other people's perceptions. And oh, absolutely. I think even in day-to-day life with adults, <laughs> like, yeah. it's so important. Another aspect, too, I feel like that builds a foundation for building up um, Christian children is also the marriage and the center, because when you're putting God first, you then are putting your relationship first, then your children are viewing that. Um, But what would some advice be since you have been through it? What would some advice be for keeping your, you know, your marriage foundation alive so that that then raises, you know, godly children? I think a huge thing is husbands respecting and uplifting their wives in front of the kids always. Mm. And, um, and vice versa. And really valuing. Um, that what what they're contributing to their kids' lives mm-hmm. and so forth in front of them. I, what happens is familiarity can breed contempt. And so what happens to moms is they're around the kids more than anybody else, and they become the most familiar in relationship with kids. Um, and so contempt can grow over time. And so I just think husbands can be really supportive and just really uplifting their lives. And, you know, they should be queen of the home. They should be <laughs> and respected and um, looked at as valuable and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think another thing too, for us, that was like a lifeline for me, especially in those younger years was the constant date nights. Mm. Super, super important for us to Mm -hmm. have time where kids were not interrupting, where we could just connect heart to heart and pray together. And I could share dreams with him or Mm -hmm. concerns or, attitudes we were struggling with with the kids or whatever right Mm -hmm. Um, and that that was always something like for Isaac and I one of the things that we've always done is we like building together and so um fun like what well the the vineyard is an example oh yeah right on the side of the house we don't have it anymore but Mm -hmm. that was a great thing for seven years and the kids did with us oh Um, that's fun um the project of you writing redeeming childbirth a long time Mm -hmm. ago Although I only oh. wrote one shot in there, I was supportive of her and what yeah. she's doing to mm-hmm. you supporting me in my business ventures mm-hmm. um, and, <laughs> you know, connect lots of things you did there. Mm-hmm. So, and then nowadays, right. It's the, the we're ministry. ministry together. So now we're completely that's fun. courageous parenting, courageous mom and resolute man. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's incredible. I, w- I want to talk a little bit about all that you're doing because it's, it's so good and it's your ministry. And how did that, all of that first start? Like, You've gone through it. And then when did you know you wanted to start helping others and you started really wanting to pursue ministry? 
Well, Isaac was like, you want to tell her about your vision of like being in business and being a missionary? Yeah, I I really felt like I was supposed to be in marketplace ministry. And I was Mm -hmm. uh, where I impacted thousands of people. And I was able to, in what I was doing, share the gospel, share scripture, even on stage, giving speeches in front of thousands of young adults. Mm -hmm. and And so that was a unique experience. And I would say I only stayed there as long as I did because um, of the impact I could have. I think we've always had, both of us, a vision for having big impact on the world and also oh a yeah, legacy okay. mindset, which is to really look beyond our short-term experience while we're on earth. Mm-hmm. But what are we doing for the kingdom of God? Mm-hmm. And what are we leaving here that continues to impact the kingdom of God through our legacy, our kids, their kids, and their kids, mm-hmm. and so forth. And so that's always been a key thing. And I think our worst times are when we're not on purpose. Mm-hmm. And when we're not, the hardest sure. time for our marriage is when I'm over here doing this thing and she's not very involved or she's doing this thing and I'm too busy to be as uh, integrated yeah. is, is good for our marriage. So we've just always, um, well, one of the messages in redeeming childbirth is to not compartmentalize Jesus and that mm. actually came from the concept of how we were just living our life and that he was a part of everything we did and that he was the foundation of everything that we did and that we just wanted to bring him glory. That was how we could be part of the great commission. And I don't know how much of our story, you know, but I thought Tell me all of it <laughs> and not get married and not have kids. So that was like my, I actually went to Turkey and wow lived there and counseled battered Muslim women. And I thought I was going back and I had done missions in Mexico for almost every summer for about 11 years. Um, and had a final summer there after having our first daughter, Isaac, let me go back to say goodbye to the community of people that I had developed relationship with. It was hard to be going and having babies and nursing and all that. And, um, And so for me, like I went to college, I went to Bible college to go into ministry and um, thought that that was what God was calling me to. And to be honest, like I, it was a struggle, like deciding to get married. I had to actually be corrected or rebuked in a gentle kind of way from a mentor of mine who was 25 years older and was a single missionary. And she was like, Angie, I think you don't have a biblical perspective of marriage and the ministry that it is, and that you can actually have a bigger um, impact when there's two people versus just one. And I was like, oh, (laughs) I just saw it as like holding me back or not able and and so and now it's interesting here we are we have eight kids I remember when we had the first one I was like well if we're gonna have one and I'm gonna pour myself into them to help them to know the Lord and be on purpose and be a missionary I might as well do this exponentially <laughs> well, we didn't make that's one. a great way to look at it though <laughs> we didn't make yeah. a decision just to have eight, no, we didn't. it was no. really wow a- yeah I'm sure people want to know. It was really a one kid at a time thing. And one of the things we decided as we're wrestling, if we should have one more, because things are really tough sometimes. Two or three little ones. We remember. And I, we remember when we had five little ones and and when you have one little one, that's why I can't. Oh, okay. I'm like, I can't even imagine like my mind is just blown thinking of the household, you know, and And like, We thought those people were a little crazy. So, um, and we, we didn't plan that out, but God planned it out. And what he convicted in our hearts was never to stop for selfish reasons. 
Oh, very good. And so we always analyze that and whatever our reasons were, sometimes she wanted to stop. Sometimes it was me that wanted to stop. But if we weren't both in alignment to stop, we decided we would keep praying, praying, have one more. Or or pray and wait for God to bring alignment was more like what I think our prayers always were. And um, it's amazing how God does that, (laughs) you know, just before the blessing, he would bring us into alignment and we would just delight in that season God would give and there was there were the normal things like oh I want my body back and oh girl yeah I want to be able to travel I'm going to be x years Mm -hmm. old and we're still not going to be able to do all the things we want to do and these kinds of things we would have these but when it really comes down like okay whose body is this whose yeah life is this what are we supposed to do on this earth Mm -hmm. and you know what my pregnancies (laughs) were not easy at all and really Oh, no, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, that's actually why I wrote Redeeming Childbirth was because... Um, I'm going to read it. I, I think even just the name, I'm like, whoa, it's yeah, triggers. <laughs> um, you know, I, well, it's, there's a lot of things in there. It's really a discipleship tool for women. It talks about other topics that most pregnancy books don't talk about. It's not about like what happens in month one, what happens <laughs> in month two. There's tons of books on that. Um, it's more like talking about sanctification. Was the definition of syndication? How does that actually relate to pregnancy and childbirth, preparing you for motherhood? Fear, pain, mm-hmm. um, morning sickness, bed rest, all the feelings of a mom feeling like a failure and how God met me mm-hmm. in those quiet places, how it was a humbling time where I had to actually ask for help and that that was a blessing to people in our body to step in and to bring meals or to clean the home or to help take care of the kids and how it brought our family closer, right? And it wasn't all Cheerios. It was yeah. super rough. Like I was peaking 14 to 16 times a day. Um, oh my goodness. HG, but this was before they had a diagnosis for it. So I would go in and get IVs for six hours at a time every week with our first couple. Oh my goodness. It was a real... Like a lot of people don't like it when people say, Oh, it's a, why would you say that motherhood's a sacrifice? It's a delight. And that it's uh, true. it is a delight. But mm. to be honest, every time I would say yes to God in using my body as a vessel, I was truly laying my life down. Totally. And it like, I hemorrhaged after our sixth and lost so much blood. Um, I also hemorrhaged after our seventh and then I hemorrhaged after a miscarriage where I lost over half my blood and had to have an emergency surgery and two blood transfusions. Oh my goodness. Like, and I'm, I'm not sharing this to like, I don't think everybody needs to do what we do. We don't think everybody needs to have family at all. It's just our story. God has totally well and God's yeah. Like God's in it in each and every story and every story is different, but you guys were listening and you know, yeah, took the and risk and six years where he closed my womb too. And between yeah. our sixth and our seventh. And wow. So, well, and that's the thing too, when you're walking by faith, it's not something that others or the world will see as logical <laughs> by any means. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's just what walking by faith. So, and that's why you're blessed to be able to follow him and be blessed with eight yeah. beautiful souls. <laughs> I will say that when I had our seventh, after having six years, I thought that I like would remember what it was like having a baby. And it's amazing how much you forget in six years. Really? Uh, oh, I didn't realize. So you, it was six year difference between the, the two youngest. Seven. 
actually between the sixth and the seventh. And then we had a miscarriage and then we had our eighth and then we had another miscarriage. Oh my goodness. Pregnancies, but, um, but yeah, there, Ethan was five and a half when we got pregnant with Solomon. And I, you know, after you've had babies for six years and you've nursed for years on it, (laughs) it'll all come back. I don't need to, you know, and I remember having Solomon and that just being like, well, okay, I'm, I'm a lot older. <laughs> different, <laughs> and oh. in a really good way. And I, I, you know, now being a mom of a four-year-old and a twenty-month-old, I a lot of times just thank God that, just as far as like being in the trenches still with moms that are that's like their first kids' ages. Oh, yeah, because I it is fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. No, I would have forgotten. Well, yeah. And he's able, like, I'm just seeing it all as a bigger picture too, is like, this is fueling your ministry. This is fueling your wisdom and your insight in order to reach the masses. You're reaching moms and dads with teens and 20 year olds. And then you're also reaching us with like new babies or, you know, we're just getting started. So that's, that's truly like, wow, that's truly a blessing. We yeah. pray over and over again for that. We just get, it's so encouraging when we get the feedback and just what God's been doing with uh, the podcast and the ministry and stuff. It's yeah, been amazing. It was totally a God thing. Um, we went on a three month RV trip with our kids. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, oh. it was awesome. We <laughs> 34 states in three months. Oh, my goodness. That's actually a dream of mine, but I can't imagine with that many kids. <laughs> it was awesome. I was six, seven, and eight months pregnant with our son, Eli. Eli. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, we had many older kids and so they were super helpful. We had so, yeah, that's- I think God gave us some supernatural energy on that trip <laughs> because you know, I'm not uh, 44 now, I guess I was 42 then. Yeah. And- I was almost 40. Yeah. yeah. So, but that took a lot of stamina. It did. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. But- Doing a road trip of like two hours with two kids is like, <laughs> a lot. I mean, so, want to be, Isaac always uses this and he says, when you squeeze an orange, what do you hope comes out? Orange juice. <laughs> what do you hope comes out? Jesus. And we were squeezed. We were definitely in close quarters. And, but that's when you grow. That's yeah. when you grow your capacity. That's when you grow stronger with God. That's when your kids grow in relationship with each other. What's beautiful, so and everybody as kids probably knows this, even if you go on a weekend road trip or something, when you're in close proximity for a long period of time, you all of a sudden reveal what you need to work on. Well, let's look That's at uh, quarantine that people. Do. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's learning what they need to work on as parents, what they need to work on in their marriage and praise God for that. And we hope mm-hmm. that they, they, they go closer to God and point towards each other versus the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's so true. And who knows when, what the impact this is really going to have. I don't think we'll really know for months down the road, years down the road. But what's some advice you would give maybe for during this time, like when you are in close proximity, how can we utilize this time that's given to us Oh, we, we to live with like that purpose? Yeah. Redeeming the time. Right. And yeah. so there's, there's a couple things. The first thing is if maybe there was a desire to do Bible time with the kids and have the husband more involved in that, maybe he was usually off at work early in the morning and that was hard. Well, here's an opportunity. Uh, to exercise that muscle. And mm-hmm. when he goes back to work, or if he already did, if, if we exercise a muscle, we can. it's easier for us to find a time when it's inconvenient in the afternoon to sure. do it in the morning. So that's one thing. I think starting the day right is just a really, yeah. really big deal. 
what are some ways as a mom you start yeah. the day? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, how do you guys start your day? I guess that's cool. it. Yeah. 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 So um, in the morning, first thing in the morning, we usually do family Bible time together and we try to get everybody together. Yeah. Not, not every day do we get everyone together because our oldest son is um, now oftentimes off to work at like six in the morning. Wow. Um, when the gyms were open, like workout gyms, <laughs> work out, come back. We're, we're usually together. But we're usually together. And so I try to get myself ready and my two littles ready and have them fed or at least eating by the time we're doing that. I will usually at least four days a week, make like a big pot of oatmeal with all the fixins. Yeah. And we will either eat that before Bible time or right after Bible time, if it's cooking while we're doing yeah. that. And, and how I, long is Bible time typically? To give a well, context. So it depends on the age of your kids and what they can handle. So <laughs> yeah, the little like, ones are like, like well, fly. God made it beautiful that way, didn't he? Because when we have younger kids, we're new at doing Bible time, right? Yeah. So, hey, pick a proverb. Okay. About, maybe a couple of proverbs is about the attention span uh, the, Versus, of the yeah. kids, you know? And then, okay. Because you're going to read it and then you're going to talk about it. And then God will give you revelation in the moment a lot of times of like, how does this apply to them? Mm-hmm. How does this apply to our family? How does this apply to this wrong attitude I've been sensing in, mm-hmm. in this kid over here? And how can I apply that? So I'm always looking for that. And Angie too, when she does it, and I, I think that's important, but we, we at least do 30 minutes and we sometimes do an hour, but I think wow, that, that's, that's incredible. The number of people and yeah. we have older kids. And recently, usually when I pick, I'm doing something easier, like the book of John. Um, Philippians. Philippians. (laughs) And I like that because we have all ages, right? It's easier for me too. It takes less time to prepare. But guess what my 15-year-old daughter requested? Revelations. Oh, dear. We've been going through revelations. (laughs) You know, that's funny. I'm actually going through it because of obviously everything going on. I'm like, you know what? I really want to dive in. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating (laughs) And so that's been taking longer because they have a lot of questions. And you know what? Sometimes I don't know the answer because yeah. Going on, I don't have time to like do a deep, deep study in Revelations right now, but I didn't want to not do it. And I don't know if anyone's supposed to truly grasp yeah. Revelations. Yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, hey, um, why don't you look that up? I don't know the answer and bring it back to the next morning. Oh, that's smart. You know, because we've yeah. always had an attitude of like, we, we don't, we don't want to be always look at, to be looked at as the experts of everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Uh, we want them to know how to go find answers. Mm-hmm. And bring it back. We're not, we're we're not overly controlling parents. And sometimes people and on the outside just look at us and go, "Oh, I wonder if they're those really controlling parents." Actually, no. We're equipping parents, and that's a great word. We equip them Mm -hmm. so that they can make good decisions. And if they make a bad decision, we have a kind of relationship where they'll share it with us, and we can walk them through that. Oh, that's so. We want them to experientially grow and learn while they're in our home, and we're right with them. So when they launch, they already understand the world. They under, understand how to respond to challenges and they know how to stand for their faith. Yeah. And I think that's super important. Just the socialization aspect. You know, a lot of times okay. people look at homeschoolers and they go, oh, how are they going to function? Right? <laughs> I know. I mean, we're even open to it because like you mentioned, it's the co-op. So they're getting interaction and they're getting, mm-hmm. they're getting everything that any other child would. Maybe just a more, a better influence because <laughs> you know a little bit more of what they're being influenced by. I would be fascinated to have your, I don't know if you've done it before, but have your teens share like 
their experience. Well, I don't know. It'd be putting you guys on blast, but putting like their experience of how you have parented and how that has affected them. Because I think that would be so cool for me as a, as someone to like, we have a couple episodes on courageous parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, listen, like biblical ceremonies. So we do this like, um, biblical ceremony for into going into manhood where Isaac will have like some guys in our community do something really creative with our boy that's going into manhood. Right. Yeah. And we did the same thing with our daughter, Megan recently. And so we actually had both of them on that podcast and we interviewed them about it and asked them a bunch of questions. We also did an interview with our daughter who was home from college, just Mm -hmm. about what it was like being homeschooled and how it prepared her for college. That's a very interesting one. Well, she's almost a complete, I mean, most of her education is paid for because of her academics. Yeah. She's an honors role student private university, Christian university, but I tell you, you know, they do well on those and apply for every scholarship, you know? Wow. It'll be interesting to see because I mean, just even having two, they're so different. So I can, it'll be fun for you guys to see just how different each and every child is. They're incredibly different. It is. Yeah. We already know that some are not (laughs) wanting to go to college and that's fine. Like, Um, yeah. And they may not want to, and then later decide they want to do some classes. Yeah. It's their life journey, and that's what's exciting about watching them grow. Early on, we had to really do a gut check and go, okay, each of our kids are different, mm-hmm. and we should not impose our path on them. Mm, that's and a good one, early, too. Early on, we, we learned that lesson, mm-hmm. and so we've just been encouraging their path and whatever God is you know, convicting their hearts about. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Well, how would you encourage parents? Um, in their path to parenting with purpose and um, what's your main tip or what do you tell parents? Um, well, first of all, it's refining, but it's only refining if you let it be. So we can either, we can either, we can either keep our agenda and then kids um, in reality are a little bit more of a burden to our agenda, which they're is different. Along for the ride. And they're coming along for the ride or we can find a way to, um, incorporate them in our agenda and make them a major part of our agenda and help them dream about their and help them dream agenda and then when there's yeah. less, <laughs> less friction but then embrace the refining process god wants us it talks many times and usually purifying silver or purifying gold in the bible is the analogy and you you put gold in a crucible and to get all the impurities out and then you're left with pure gold and that's how god wants us and so a lot of times where we're finding friction, we need to go to God with that and ask him for wisdom and to further refine us to be more patient and to do yeah. these things that parenting requires. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have so many more nuggets of wisdom to share. <laughs> so people can find you on your Courageous Parenting podcast, but you're also opening up a parenting mentor program, which I think is fantastic. And that's in June of this year? Yeah, June 13th. But we do it every six weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's self-paced, but it has an element of interaction with us. We do three live sessions in a private Facebook group. And the interaction and camaraderie in that group is incredible. With Courageous Parents have gone through the program. Um, Those it, Facebook lives are 90 minutes. So it's 60 minutes of teaching and then a 30 minute Q&A. So they can be really transparent and ask us questions. That's just like, a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if you call it a safer space 
space, but yeah. a, a space where people can get really transparent and they don't have to worry about. So yeah. we've been able to be able to answer some really tough questions in there that we wouldn't cover on the podcast, actually. Oh, yeah. A um, little more like individual or personal, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know that when you start a podcast, they want you to sign a, a release saying you're not yeah. going to talk about certain topics yeah. and that so but all of those things are really relevant to parenting and teaching your kids so it's yeah. uh, 10 hours of total curriculum um that's including the lives so there's mm-hmm. six pre-recorded sessions in there that is really mm-hmm. the biblical parenting model that we've experienced fruit from over the last okay. yeah when it comes with um parenting packets for each week with date night questions exercises oh, and fun stuff. yeah mm-hmm. well i need to sign up you can also find the podcast there if you don't if people don't listen on itunes or something like that we're everywhere but Mm -hmm. um but you can go there and get all the show notes scriptures and other resources we mentioned we have a lot of free resources too that you can find out there like uh, free workshops and oh yeah date night one sheet when you sign up for an email list courageous.mom and isaac resolute.man and then courageous.parenting courageous dot okay not underscore my bad. <laughs> well, I'll link everything as well under the show notes so that they can, um, everyone can head over and give them a follow. Um, well, thank you so much, you guys, for joining me. I feel like there's so many more topics to cover, <laughs> like my age group. You know, we'll just go like we'll do like a part one, part two, part three. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, until next time. Oh, great to be here. Take-